What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Today we're here with Miss Deanna Taylor. Now she works for Travel Noir that's affiliated with Blavity, and she's also an attorney. And she's here today to talk to us a little bit about traveling because you know a lot of African Americans we don't travel, and now a lot of us are starting to travel a little bit more. Look at the numbers, how that you know travel, you know money that we're spending is going up and up and up. But we want to get the people that normally don't travel, and maybe Miss Deanna can do that. So Deanna, thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. All right. So, Miss Deanna, can you tell people just a little bit about yourself and what you do at Travel Noir? Sure. Uh, so, again, my name is Deanna Taylor. I am originally from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and in 2010, I graduated from law school at North Carolina Central University, uh, which is in Durham, North Carolina, right two hours outside of Charlotte. And it's a HBCU law school. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I've been practicing law since then, uh, mostly criminal traffic matters. But, you know, just after burning out pretty much, I made the decision to move overseas um, to South Korea, uh, not North Korea, but South Korea um, for a year to teach English in the public school system there and to just travel the world. Um, and literally a month before I was slated to come back to America, uh, I applied for a position with Travel Noir and I was hired um, so yeah, so I've been with the company since, yeah, last year around this time. Um, and then around October of last year, I was actually named the senior writer, uh, for Travel Noir. So that's where I am today. Hey, as you know, many people know that, you know, follow our show. We, we was invited to go to Ethiopia last year and, you know, shout out to the people in Ethiopia and also the government because the government also you know, made a, a great way for us to go and sponsored uh, some things for us. And, you know, when I was there, I just noticed it was so much different than America. I didn't see y'all the situation with the police and people was actually talking to the police. And that was strange for me to even see because most people just avoid the police. They don't want to talk to anyone, look at the police because, you know, and, and, and that was different for us there. Just how it was more laid back and, and I just really enjoyed myself and I made a live stream at the time telling people here about it, you know, and, you know, I said, man, you know, y'all need to come. So they asked us to facilitate a trip. So in October, we're going to Kenya for a week, taking 30 people. Now, why do you feel that more African-Americans do not travel? So I um, definitely did a poll about this a few years ago, but it was more so targeted at uh, black men because I see tons of black women traveling. Literally, we go all over the world and even leaving, living in Korea, I had a whole little tribe of black women um, that also lived there at the time. But um, just some of the things that I've seen on my own, uh, just people feel that they wouldn't be received well in certain spaces and countries. Um, and then you go down to like smaller things um, from, you know, they're just afraid to fly that far or that long. Um, some people are, you know, they, they honestly don't have passports, um, which is obviously, you know, the key to being able to, you know, freely travel internationally. Um, but yeah, I just think it's also a matter of people getting out of their comfort zones and, and just really wanting to see something different. So you mentioned that, you know, some people would feel that they may not be received. Why would you think, or what were the reasons why they feel that they wouldn't be received? They've never been to these places. 
Um, I just think it's a matter of, again, being somewhere outside of your comfort zone mixed with uh, Western media. Uh, so, you know, we see on TV and these news channels uh, when they do broadcast things about Africa or, you know, Asia, things like that. It's all it's, it's typically negative, um, especially like when I lived in South Korea, you know, everybody's like, oh, my God, you live in, in Korea where the guy is like ready to shoot off missiles. And I'm like, no, that's a totally different country. Um and sure, they border each other, but it's two different worlds. And you'd be surprised. And like I said, the same goes for Africa. We see, you know, only the third world places, the poverty, the, you know, African militia and military um, and, and genocide and wars and things like that. And people are afraid, like, oh, no, like, I don't want to get involved with that. You know, I'm definitely not traveling there. But there's so many sides to these places that the media doesn't want us to see here in America. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to travel to Africa three times. And my latest trip was to Kenya um, for my birthday last year. And I went to uh, Diani Beach, which is uh, on the coast, about like an hour flight from uh, Nairobi, and it literally sits on the Indian Ocean. So when you see all these pictures of like the Maldives, the Seychelles, it's the exact same ocean, but it's in Kenya. Um, and I mean, it's like one of the most beautiful places you'll ever see in your life. Um, and like, even when I posted pictures, you know, people were like, I never knew Kenya, you know, was that beautiful. Like all they think of is like the Lion King and like the desert and the animals. But, you know, it's it's a real city. It's a real place. It's on the coast. Um, and I just think it's just going to take, you know, more people seeing through travel bloggers, writers, influencers that, you know, these places aren't what the media portrays them to be. Yeah, the media has always been used as propaganda against anything black. Let's call it what it is. They, they, this reason why certain people, you know, like you say, have a fear of traveling in our community, or you may have some people that think we're a certain way, you know, like some people really feel in other countries that we're loving hip hop. That's what we are as black Americans. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, that's maybe a small group of people that act that way, but that's not the majority of us. And when they get their media from CNN, from one, a Kenya sister told me, or, you know, BBC, and then they get to, you know, look at the things that they put out to them about us that helps shape that. Now, that particular beach you went to, was that in Mombasa? Is that somewhere around there? Yeah, so it's part of Mombasa. So it's, uh, so Diani Beach is the south coast of uh, Mombasa. So you have like the north coast and the south coast. So yeah, Diani is south, um, and like I said, it's it's a hidden gem in Kenya. Even like staying at the resort that I stayed at, uh, obviously, like the staff is just like we barely get Americans here, and we definitely don't get Black Americans here. So they were very happy to have uh, Black Americans there. I went with one of my girlfriends, so it was just the two of us. But we stayed at the Swahili Beach Resort, and I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. And uh, like I follow them on Instagram, so I see that they have actually started doing some renovations since I left in December. And I mean, the place was beautiful then, so I can only imagine <laughs> what it's going to be now. But uh, yeah, Diani is is amazing. 
Yeah, you know, that was my experience, uh, what you had just talked about, what they said in Kenya and Ethiopia. is like when they when they heard me speak, that they had like a big smile on their face. And I'm like, why are they smiling at me so much? And then they say, oh, you you American? You black American? I'm like, yes, I am. It's like, oh, we're so happy to see you here. Like, we never see you guys. Where are you at? And I'm like, I'm like they were just like happy to see me. And I'm like, okay. You know, I mean, they were like, really? I thought they would be an extra about it, but they were genuine. You know, and right. I say, well, black Americans don't come like we hardly ever see you. You say, say, we see white people. We see uh, Chinese. You say, but we don't see you. It's like, like, where are you guys at? I mean, they, and it was so nice and helpful. And, and I, I was so floored by it. Right. And then too, I think a lot of, when it comes to traveling in international spaces, a lot of black people, especially millennials. So the 25 to 45 age range, we only want to go where it's trendy. So, you know, Right now, Kenya just hasn't popped off as the next trendy place to be. But, you know, once it does, I'm sure there'll be an influx of people because, you know, everybody's doing it for the gram these days. But, um, yeah, so I try to travel to places that aren't necessarily trendy. Um, But, yeah, so I think that's another thing. Just more people getting the word out there that these places are just as beautiful, that, you know, there are things to do there. Um, then I think they'll catch on and, you know, they'll definitely see bigger numbers in, in tourism. Well, how many tra- countries you have traveled to? Oh, wow. Um, so far, 25 and some of them multiple times. Um, so, yeah, I travel often. <laughs> okay. So has, has um, you been, what, in Asian countries mostly, uh, Africa or Caribbean? Like where, where you kind of mostly been? Um, when I lived in Korea, I traveled to, uh, I think it was eight countries total in that year. So they were mostly in Asia. Um, so I went to Cambodia, Vietnam, Japan, obviously Korea. I had the opportunity to go to the Maldives, Malaysia, Thailand. Um, yeah. And then as far as Africa, I've been to Kenya I've been to South Africa, uh, more specifically Cape Town, and I've been to Morocco. Um, and then Europe, I've been to Portugal, Italy, Spain, France, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, all around the Caribbean, Mexico. And I'm actually headed to, uh, I actually am traveling for the next four months internationally once a month. Uh, so I'll hit uh, a few more Caribbean destinations in a couple weeks. Then a couple weeks after that, I'm heading to South America, to Colombia. Um, then I'm going back to Japan, um, to Tokyo. I, I love Tokyo. And uh, I'm actually going to Europe in October um, and just traveling around a little bit in Europe as well. So that's just part of like your job description. Say, hey, you got to travel, report. That's kind of like what you do, right? Um, well, you don't have to. I mean, honestly, like as the writers for Travel Noir, we either like self-pitch stuff based on things that we've already experienced um, or just, you know, doing your own research. But a lot of my trips, since I am the senior writer, uh, luckily I've been able to, they are work-related trips. So I go for specific events and things like that. Now, you know, a lot of people also, you know, when you travel, because I'm trying to dispel a lot of things that people are afraid of in our community. Oh, well, you got to get all these shots. Now, do you have to get yeah. a whole lot of shots that you just like got a hundred vials on the tray? No, um, honestly, I've never gotten shots. <laughs> um, and I know most people will probably like frown at that, but 
surprisingly, like Nairobi, Kenya, again, it's a city. You're not around like all these wild animals unless you're like going on a safari. But even still, you're not like sitting there touching the wild animals like you're riding past them. Um, so that's typically when you want to get shots is like when you're somewhere and there's just like a bunch of stray animals and things like that. Um, but if you're going to like a city, which again, Nairobi is a city, they have big businesses there, a downtown area, everything. You don't really need shots. Um, yeah, I've seen, you know, just be cautious, just like you would in the Caribbean or anywhere else as far as like water and things like that. Uh, but for the most part, like you'll be, you'll be totally fine. Yeah, because I always I was told that I always drink bottled water, don't drink nothing else, and I was told to don't eat the salad. Um, I well, I don't I don't remember if I ate salad, and probably at the resort I did, but um, in Nairobi I'm not sure. I will say my friend did get sick off of a burger. Oh, <laughs> the burger? Um, yeah, a burger. So I think it was like something in the beef because she had like a beef burger, um, but. I didn't eat the beef burger, so I didn't get sick. But yeah, um, so you just have to be cautious on what you on what you eat. But I mean, don't go there and like starve yourself or feel like you just have to eat potato chips and you know junk food the whole time. Like if you go to more touristy areas, like you'll be fine. But obviously, if you're in like more localized um, areas, um, you know our bodies aren't necessarily conditioned to eat the same things that they eat. Um, so that's where you may run into some problems. Yeah. I always tell people don't eat the street food. <laughs> that's right. what I tell people. Well, just in Africa, but in Asia is fine. Like I eat street food all the time. Really? <laughs> yeah. Cause my yeah. thing is, you know, at least here in the U S even the, the street vendors have to go through the health department. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I think that's just like another one of those myths, like, you know, Oh, they don't have the same regulations that we do in America. So I don't trust the food, but when I say like in Thailand and, you know, Vietnam and all those places, like the street food is like some of the best food you'll ever have. Um, you just obviously just have to make sure they cook it thoroughly. But, um, yeah, it's 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 good food <laughs> and it's so cheap. <laughs> yeah. On that street food they, uh, in, in those Asian countries, they eat a lot of pork, don't they? Korea, they do eat a lot of pork. pork. Um, yeah, a lot of pork. Um but it's actually really good. So like I said, I, I mean, I didn't really eat pork a lot before I went, but working in the school system, like we all eat lunch together in the cafeteria with the kids. So um, they serve like a like a real meal every day. And so, you know, I would say two to three times out of a week, the main course would be uh, pork based, but they eat everything. Duck, like when I say roasted duck, it is so good. I crave it all the time now here in America, and I have yet to find it. Um, but yeah, they do they do dishes well, so don't be afraid to try the food. Don't don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah, I just good. I just don't eat pork. You can give me that. I'd rather stop I eat some pork. Uh. <laughs> but um, uh, no, nah, you've been traveling to all these different countries. You you know you definitely you know lived here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Do you rather be outside the U.S. or you rather live here? I'd rather live abroad. I I mean, ever since I've gotten back, like I've been trying to find my way back overseas. Um, I just happened to stay here because unfortunately my mother um, was sick and I'm the only child. So I stayed, you know, to make sure she was okay. But literally a month after I came back, I was contracted to go live in China for a year, but I had to terminate my contract um, due to my mom being sick. So 
the plan as of now is to, you know, once I get through these uh, work trips over the next couple of months, I would like to just go back to Thailand and rent an apartment and stay uh, up to 90 days because you can stay up to 90 days without having to get an actual visa. Um, so I plan to just go do that. Life abroad is just it's so, so easy. <laughs> So, so yeah. you would have to talk about visas. So, you know, in order for you to, to say a year, you'd have to try to get like what, like a, a work permit or some sort of business visa to stay a year. Yeah. So because I worked like under the government, um, like I said, I was a public school teacher in Korea, the company that you typically contract with, they do all that back work for you. So you fill out like paperwork, um, you know, with all your information and they secure your visa for you before you even come over there. So if anybody is interested in applying to teach or live abroad, uh, which most Americans go to teach in different countries, um, yeah, your company should sponsor your visa. If they don't, I would run because it's not easy for us on this side to be able to get those types of visas. Um, but if you're staying anywhere between, you know, a few days up to 90 days in most Asian countries, you don't need like a real uh, resident visa. Um, some may require just tourist visas, um, which, you know, can vary in price, but they last up to 90 days. Um, but yeah, different countries have different rules, but for the most part, just to go live short term, like I said, up to 90 days, you won't need like a resident visa to live. Well, look, now you was mentioning teaching different countries. Is that a website or, or, or what is what is that? Um, so, I mean, it depends on where you want to teach. Okay. So um, actually one of the series that I did for Travel Noir, it was called the Black Black Expat. So an expat is basically someone who leaves their home country. So America um, to go live and work in another country for whatever a period of time. And I would say 80% of the people that I interviewed for that series all moved abroad to teach. Um, whether it was in Korea, some went to uh, Thailand, um, and a big majority of the Black women went to the Middle East. So Dubai, Qatar, or Qatar, however you want to say it, um, just different places in the UAE, so the United Arab Emirates, mm -hmm. um, because they pay very well <laughs> um, for Americans to come over there and teach. But there are different stipulations as far as which country you go to. So myself, I'm not a school teacher in America. I'm a lawyer. So I don't have like a teaching certificate or teaching license. So only thing they require in Asia for you to come teach, you have to have a four-year degree. So any bachelor's degree of any um, major, doesn't matter. Um, you have to be a native English speaker. So you have to have at least lived in an English speaking country for at least, I believe, uh, seven years or something like that. So, uh, the English speaking countries, obviously like Europe, America, Canada, South Africa, and I believe there's like one more in there. Um, you have to get what's called a TEFL, T-E-F-L or TESOL, T-E-S-O-L certificate. And that's just basically saying like you have knowledge on how to teach English to non-English speaking people. Um, and those certifications, I literally got mine on Groupon, seriously. Um, so they are offered on Groupon for like 40 bucks. 
um, and you want to get, if you're going to do it on Groupon, you want to get at least a 150 hour certificate. Um, and like I said, it's like 40 bucks. And then once you go through like the little online course, they email you a certificate. You just show proof of that. And then obviously you have to have a passport. Um, but if you want to go to like the Middle East or the countries where they pay you like way more than an American salary, mm -hmm. uh, you have to also, in addition to the things I just listed, you have to have a valid American teaching certificate. And if you're a teacher, you know what that looks like. I don't. But um, I don't have it, so I wasn't able to apply uh, to many of those countries. But um, the benefits, you know, are amazing. Um, they so gave me an apartment rent-free in Korea for my whole year. Mm -hmm. They paid all my utilities. Um, I also received a check once a month, so I also got a stipend, um, which is why people go, because since you don't have any real bills in Korea... They use that money, they save, you know, half the check to pay student loans, et cetera, bills back in America. And then they use the other half to do what they want and to travel um, around wherever they are. And we also had health insurance. Um, and when I say the health insurance was amazing, I think that's what I miss most. Mm -hmm. uh, it was amazing. Like, I didn't have to pay anything out of my check. Um, but I guess, you know, when they did take it out, from what I learned, like my health insurance is like $60 a month. Um, and just to give people an idea, I got all four of my wisdom teeth pulled with, uh, like the loopy gas, uh, for $140 total in Korea. Wow. And you say your, your health insurance is only 60 a month. Yeah. But I didn't ever have to like physically pay that. Like that was automatically like a part of my package. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So the only thing I was responsible for was like my phone bill, like my cell phone bill and internet. And that's it. Wow. I mean, that, that sounds, that sounds very good, especially for persons, like I said, they single, you know, they don't have nothing going on. They, they could say, Hey, shoot, let me, let me go travel abroad and, and teach. And cause I've been hearing a lot of people been doing that traveling abroad yeah. and teaching and they just really enjoy it. And you know, every black person that travels, they all, I ask them the question, do they like this country or other countries? Every last one of y'all say, nah, I like it over there. Nobody yeah. say they like it here. Yeah, it's it's a different world. And even just to go back to you saying, you know, a lot of single people, surprisingly, uh, China and like I say, probably 90 percent of the Middle Eastern countries will actually pay for your spouse and your kids to come. Oh, that's live. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so you will actually see full families like uprooting and going um, to the Middle East to teach. And even if they do go to Asia um, it's still so cheap to put your kid in like an international school. Um, and then people will either pick up a job, like if their spouse doesn't, you know, teach online or teach, uh, in a school system, there are also companies that allow you to teach online and you make your own schedule from that. And it's just as lucrative as teaching physically in the school, but you just have to pay for your own like apartments and stuff like that. But again, they're a fraction of what we pay here in America. <laughs> Wow. Like I said, well, yeah. you know, that's, you know, that's some options because I believe that, you know, as, you know, African-Americans, we need to travel and, and we need to get out and see the world because some of us just always stuck in our hood for the rest of our life. Some of us don't even leave our state or city. And, and my thing is I always tell black people, how can you go your whole life and don't see outside your city? Like to me, that's not living. You need to get out and a passport, what, 150 bucks. 
It's not much yeah, money. Yeah, one ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not much money, and and, and we we spend that sometime on a weekend. You get what I'm saying? Um, you know, having fun or drinking or whatever we want to do. So. Get a passport, is what I tell people, and start traveling. Like I said, I always, you know, I'm a big proponent of traveling to Africa. You know, like I said, I want to, you know, on our 10th anniversary, I want to go to Seychelles. Have you been there? Uh, Seychelles, no. Um, but I've, like, interviewed a few people. There's actually a black guy who, he's from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and he runs, like, a, a yacht excursion out there. And it does well. So that is called, uh, they do a big Thing every year, but it's called Yacht Week East, East Africa. Um, and like I said, as a black guy, he left Chicago, moved to uh, the Seychelles, and uh, he lives in uh, Tanzania. So Dar Dar and Salam, which is in um, Tanzania, yeah. And he basically charters these yacht tours for a week, and it's full of black people. It's kind of like the equivalent of the Yacht Week that we hear of in Croatia that everybody wants to try to get to, but this is like an all black thing. Um, and it's, it's in East Africa. He hits a few islands around the Seychelles. And I mean, from the pictures, it looks, it looks so dope. I just haven't had the opportunity to go, but it's definitely on, on my calendar to go one of these years. Yeah. I, yeah. I wanted to, yeah, I definitely, I told my wife on our 10th anniversary, I wanted to go there and just, just, just relax in the resorts. Cause like I said, it's so beautiful out there. It's unreal, you know, from what I saw with it. So, and I have a few people actually message me from there and say, Hey, yeah, we watched the show and this and that. So I definitely got to go out there. So, you know, Miss Deanna, like I said, I, I definitely want to thank you for joining us today and talking to us about, you know, a few things that you, you know, mentioned, especially the teaching abroad and, and how they, you know, pay for you. And, you know, Traveling is a great thing. I, I love it. I, I want all of us to get that travel bug because the moment we all start moving around, you know, I always tell people if black people get uh, passports and masks, this government will get real scared. Like, what's going on? <laughs> where, 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 all, where all the black people going? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because, like I said, I'm a firm believer we need to get on out of here, you know, and go see the world. Because I just, mm, you know, it's, it's you know how it is here. But yeah. Miss Deanna, I definitely thank you for uh, being on the show today. And uh, can you leave, you know, let people know how they can get in contact with you if they may want to check out, you know, your um, your blog or, or anything that you're doing? Sure. Um, you can reach me on Instagram. It's probably the best way. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But I'm at Broke and Abroad Life. So Broke, B-R-O-K-E-A-N-D, Abroad, A-B-R-O-A-D, um, life, L-I-F-E. So at Broken Abroad Life, uh, that's my Instagram handle. I also have a Facebook page, and that's also uh, my website, so brokenabroadlife.com. And just shoot me a message or comment under a picture, and I'll definitely try to answer everyone's questions when they have them. All right, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you follow her on Instagram. I just made sure to follow her so I can keep up with her travels as well so uh, make sure you go ahead and follow her broke and abroad life on instagram so deanna let's say take care of yourself out there and all your travels and uh be careful on some of the food <laughs> we don't want to eat hamburgers <laughs> and get, right. get sick to your stomach but um you know you take care and let us know you know anything else that you have going on and uh you know maybe we'll shoot you a line about you know some of the things that because we're going to document our uh trip to Kenya, just like we documented everything in Ethiopia, so we probably just you know share it with you. Yeah, want to check it out. All right, sounds good. 
All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Philo Scott audio experience. I hope you learned something from our program. Make sure if it's your first time here, go and check out all the episodes that we have. Start binge listening. That way you can get acclimated to everything that we're talking about. If you like our show and we would greatly appreciate you liking the show, support us monthly. You can do it as little as a dollar or more. Support of the show helps us to keep going, helps us to change, upgrade, buy equipment. You know, eventually we're going to start bringing guests in and we want to make sure we put on a great show for you guys. So support is definitely something that we greatly appreciate. We definitely appreciate all our supporters that we have now. We love you. We cherish you. Thank you for everything that you're doing. See you next time.